0: Hi, I'm Nayland, and you are listening to the Massacast, a podcast for people 18 years of age and older. Thanks for downloading another episode. It's that time of the year again when opening up the podcast, looking for more people to talk to. Um, If you are someone who would like to jump on the show Think you've got an interesting story And actually, to be honest, most people don't think they have an interesting story But I subscribe to the idea that Do I subscribe or do I prescribe? I subscribe to the idea that uh, everyone is interesting No matter what Um, So yeah, I'm interested in talking to you perhaps You don't have to be in New York We could talk over Skype Uh, Just hopefully you have a, a somewhat decent microphone And yeah, that would be it especially if you're not in the United States. Uh, if you're an American, that'd be great. But I especially like to talk to people in other countries. Uh, Paris is not a country. France is what I'm going to say. Uh, Belgium, the small principality of Tuam, wherever. If you're Tuamish, go ahead. Shoot me an email. Massacast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, let's figure something out. We'd like to hear about your local scene, uh, and if you're in New York, let's figure something out Let's meet up, let's do it So, uh, always interested in talking to new people So, uh, Oh, also, a lot of people who've uh, who have emailed me throughout the years Saying, you know what, I would love to donate to the podcast But uh, I'm not comfortable with donating to PayPal So, uh, people have been asking for it And now, yes, you can donate via Bitcoin go to masscast.com you'll see right there the qr code and the little info to donate to masscast via bitcoin so now you have no excuse other than maybe you just uh maybe you just are only listening because you can't wait for it to end maybe that's what it is this episode uh someone suggested i talk to eve eve minax and so i did she uh lives in california she's uh wears a lot of different hats in the kink community she's an educator so much more i think you'll enjoy it so first of all you have a very interesting title uh, people um i find in in the lifestyle or various lifestyles have have interesting titles and this is one i've never heard before uh kink educator is one i've heard before of course but p- pleasure artist
1: <laughs> yep
0: that's i mean that's that's Pretty cool sounding.
1: Isn't that uh, pretty cool sounding? Yeah. Um, I, I can't take complete credit for that. I am actually, you know, being from the Midwest originally, from Chicago, I have a tendency to be somewhat modest like the average Midwesterner. Um, so I have a really hard time with, you know, self-descriptions and, and marketing of myself and all that. Right. In fact, I was just working on a bio today to to send off to uh, a conference And had to send it to a friend. I was like, I can't do this. And and so anyway, long story short, I do have the honor and the privilege of knowing um, uh, Annie Sprinkle, a dear friend of mine who, if – The audience doesn't know who she is. She was a a very famous uh, porn star and still Mm -hmm. very active in sex positivity uh, with her partner, Beth Stevens, and they do a lot of um, amazing, more so performance art uh, projects these days that are pretty sex positive, and they've started uh, actually a new movement in in eco-sexology.
0: Eco-sexology?
1: Yeah, so, you know, making love to Mother Earth, basically. Um, Wow. Anyway, so she's great at those kinds of things. And she was the one who said to me, Minax, you're a pleasure artist.
0: <laughs> well, hey, if, it, if the shoe fits, right?
1: Right, exactly. Right. Wear it. I'm wearing it.
0: Now, you, you do quite a few. I mean, if someone goes to your one of your websites, or all of your websites, which they can find links to on, on this episode on the Mastercast, but um, you, you do a lot of conferences. You do a lot of Public speaking, and you do a lot of uh, well ed- education, le- not just one-on-one and for couples, but also um, also just big big rooms of people. And I'm how, how long have you been doing it now?
1: Um, I think 14 years. I want to say sounds about right.
0: So the, you're the perfect person to ask this question. So yeah, so your your thoughts. I mean, are, are people better off because of the internet, or is it been just given like is it sort of like web? I have a friend who's a doctor who is like you know. People researching their illness is worse. Is worse because they're finding nothing but the, the, the incorrect I've got a hangnail. Am I having a heart attack? You know?
1: You know, I'm one of those patients. Um Me too. Me too. But well, I mean not really. I I, I don't go care I didn't get carried away. I go in educated and I say, you know, from what I've read, this is what I've discovered, what do you think? And sometimes I see a little cringe and other times they're like, yeah. you know what? You're absolutely right. Um So, you know, ego aside, uh, I do like it when people come in to the classes with information and they want to share that information and they want more information because that's what teaching is all about for me. But I do agree with your friend and probably all of the other educators out there, especially with such a, you know, sensitive topic when we're talking about uh, sexuality and kink and all that, BDSM, that... um, uh, there's, there's a lot of, it's not, it's not easy to do your checks and balances when you're doing your research, I guess. Right. Um, I'm old fashioned as well. So, uh, when I started doing my research, I read cause you know, there's only going to be like one book out of probably six or 10 that's going to be not quite with it. You can find, you know, oh, this person's written seven books and they have a PhD and they've taught at 200 conferences. They're probably going to be a slightly more reliable source.
0: Well, and that's the thing. There is no, you know, teaching anything else, there is a uh, an agreed upon, for the most part, right? There's an agreed upon group of people you can trust. And, you know, like, okay, this has been peer reviewed. We know that this thing can be taught as fact or or this is the current best way that we know how to do how to explain this scientific phenomenon. There are groups of people who have your back, right? Whereas with kink, you know, you there is no there is no go, go governing body, which is probably a good thing. Right. But at the same time. You know, it's it's hard for someone just starting out to find out, Okay, is is this source of information bullshit or is this source of information uh, perfectly reliable? Mm -hmm. You know,
1: there's a lot more uh, going on in kink and BDSM uh, in the academic arena than there ever has been. Did you know that there's actually a porn studies uh, program now uh, that's, you know, kind of permeating academia so people can major in porn studies?
0: Uh, that's uh, that that brings up two things first of all, i i I knew that there was a lot more uh, uh, you know sex studies but i didn't know there was a porn studies
1: yeah and academically. Uh, Lee, and and then uh, uh also with sm there's all kinds of research these days on uh around the not just the sociology and the psychology but also um you know f- uh, physiological uh responses to uh, BDSM activities. Um, there have been some interesting studies coming out over the past couple of years, primarily. There's CARAS, which stands for, um, it's a C-A-R-A-S. It stands for the, um, oh, this is embarrassing. I've actually been a an advisor for them, um, Committee for Academic Research on Alternative Sexualities, CARAS. Wow. And then there's wow. also TASHRA, which is the Alternative Sex, uh, let's see, T-H, T-A-S-H, uh, the Alternative Sexuality Health Research Alliance, I think. Yeah. And I'm on, I'm on their advisory board, too. So
0: They sound like they could both be members of the confusing
1: <laughs> acronym Leonard,
0: Acronym Association of America, or TACA. Uh,
1: acronyms have never been my strength. But, you know, when you're trying to squeeze everything in, what the hell.
0: This would actually be a, a good time to point out. That um, there are people who, like, if they have a FetLife profile as a prime example, they'll have a FetLife profile and they will say on their profile, they'll say, uh, you do not have my permission to use my information for any study. Here's Here's a fun fact. They don't need your permission. I know. I don't. They don't. It's like when you send an email out saying this email cannot be used for anything other than, well, that you know what? That, that's not legally binding at all. That, that email could be used for anything. I have know? to
1: say, I think it's cute. I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but every time I've ever read that, I've just thought, gee, do you really think that's going to work?
0: That's the equivalent of calling it. Right. You know, I called it. I called it. I called <laughs> you can't use it. Oh, <laughs> your honor. You know, <laughs> I, call- I did call it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, at the same time, there might be someone, I, you know, if perfect, you know, better safe than sorry. There might be someone out there who is uh, is not very well versed, and they're trying to do a study, and they're like, oh, I totally love this perfect. This person is perfect. I'm looking for someone who fetishizes uh, agate rocks, right. and yet I can't use them because you know, no, you know. How did you um, know there
1: was a fetish for agate rocks?
0: There is a fetish for everything.
1: Um listen so that reminds me the little fun fact uh being a professional dominant as well um you know there are some people who ac- ask uh professionals to do actions that may actually um maim or harm them in yeah. in particular ways and they'll say things like well we can write up an agreement and I'll sign anything and uh, so, when I was young and just starting out, uh, fifteen years ago or so, I talked to, you know, leg- legal on this and said, you know, what what are they thinking? Yeah, they're signing a contract. This was right around the time there was that German case too of the guy who signed over his life so that his uh, partner cannibalized him and he died, mm-hmm. and then they held him for. And you know, yeah, they all told me no. You know, you you can't. Because exactly. you know, no matter what, we can still—you could still be held in, you know, battery and assault and murder, of and et cetera. Et cetera. The- so I was like, okay, then I will If you commit a crime, this.
0: it doesn't always require the other person to to file the, the to to right. charge you with the crime, right? right. Like if you kill someone. You can still be right. You can still get, right. get, you, can still get uh, you know thrown in jail for murder, even though that person can't charge you with murder because they're dead. You know.
1: Yeah, like I said, I was young. But, you know, and when this guy wrote me a, a letter once, and he was like, "I want you to run over my hands, you know, and crush them, and I'll pay you ten thousand dollars, and you know, I'll sign any agreement." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Oh no, no, it was with a hammer, and then with a, you know, it was obviously." Uh, sometimes hardcore fetishists, they get carried away and then they write down, you know, all their dreams and fantasies to the one person who will listen, even if they're not going to follow through with
0: it. I always wondered for, I mean, first off, that's, that's such a difficult, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I don't think we've ever talked about that aspect of it on the show before because someone who's just starting out in kink, um, I, I've got a friend who's a pro who I can't remember how she phrased it, but she said that, that. Many pros, when they first start out, they had this rush of power and they start believing, sure. they start believing the, the own, their own hype, right? Because everyone around them is saying goddess and mistress, right. and, you know, and, and they start believing it and then they get this huge ego and thinking they can't do wrong. And then something happens at some point where they've got to kind of outgrow that, right? But it's during this early period where they can make a lot of bad mistakes, right? And lose friendships and, and, um, and that's something very. I'm so glad you, you mentioned. That's something very important to keep in mind. That there there are people who will try to pay you good money for something that is just horrible. Yeah. And it's. I can't imagine. It's. It's the the appeal of not only just you know being able to pay the rent for a couple months because of this, or just the appeal of having this control over someone. It's got to be intoxicating. And then and then, you know, it's one thing that always makes me feel bad is 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 those those people who have those one off. Fantasies like I want you to chop my balls off, and then you chop your balls off, and you're like, ah, damn it, I can't do that again, you know, I can't relive that, you know right. or 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 maybe the the fantasy of it was better than the actual activity right sure right?
1: which is which is not. Uh, uncommon in general. I mean, I'm a big First Rights, uh, uh, First Amendment rights uh, ad- advocate. And I believe that actually, we can do whatever we want to our bodies. So I, I'm, I feel very strongly about that. So I believe if you if you want to spend whatever amount of money or no money at all, and you want somebody to do something to you, 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 you have that fundamental right, as far as I'm concerned now.
0: So how do you and, and I'm just playing devil's advocate? Sure. Um, because I be- I'm, I'm with you on this but how do you uh, identify, like, should someone who is not mentally stable be able to do whatever they want to their bodies?
1: Well, you know, there's the issue of what is mentally stable.
0: Um, right, exactly. I, and that's and why-
1: this is a, a, a trickier um, question because uh, clearly, you know, we used to believe that the world was flat and that uh, ghosts lived in and out. Of, and because we don't believe that now makes us mentally stable, Right. I, you know, it's all relative as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Um, so, you know, just speaking just as a fundamental right is all I'm saying is like we should have each person should have the right. However, humans are fickle and you're absolutely okay. right. Please castrate me one day, maybe for 10 years, begging for it for 10 years. And then finally, OK, fine. I'm going to castrate you now, you know, and 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 then it's like ah, my balls are gone. What am I going <laughs> to do?
0: Turns out if I can't get turned on while well, thinking of it, it's not as hot. Um, but but it's just, I mean, I mean, because uh, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I guarantee you all it, all it takes is someone to say, well, you know, after, after the act is done, they say, well, clearly I wasn't of sound mind. I wanted to chop my balls off. You know, I mean, I'm saying you know, someone would say that say in that retrospect, even though it's clearly not the case.
1: I'm sure some of my Domina friends will just absolutely cringe when I say this. But like a good hairstylist, they do not, you would not, you know, shave someone's head who has hair down to their ass if you were smart. What you do, you, you know, the person comes in and they say, I want to shave my head. And you say, well, I've got some ideas for some design work that would really blow your mind. Why don't we try that?
0: Sorry, Crystal Gale. (laughs)
1: But, you know, I I mean, I I can't tell you the number of times I've had people come in with much bigger appetites than they could possibly handle. And the more you, you do the work and the more you learn, the more you know how to ask very succinct and specific questions like, oh, so you're interested in suspension. Have you ever been suspended? Oh, you haven't. Well, what do you know about suspension? you know, and, uh, or the most common one, uh, and this is not necessarily professionally just so that we're on the record about that. But, uh, uh, a person who says, Oh, you know, I want to strap on play. I want you to fuck me in the ass with a dildo. And it's like, great. I love that activity. I'd love to do that to you. Sounds like fun. Have you ever done it? No. Well, what have you had in your ass? Oh, a finger <laughs> just once 10 years ago. <laughs> Well, where did you get this information? Usually (laughs) porn. You know, yeah, I saw this guy getting gangbanged by five different women with dildos. So I'm like, cool, we do, we can, we can, you know, we can work this out. But, uh, you know, I teach classes, um, a lot of classes to professionals as well as uh, private individuals and I'm currently the lead staff instructor at the Cleo Dubois Academy of SM Arts otherwise known wow. as smarts.com and we teach professionals as well as as, as as private people like I said we have a pro course coming up very soon um, and I'll just give a plug also to Jalene Bennis who also works beautifully with, with professionals and then I'm starting to design my own curriculum because I love working with my fellow pros I love it love it love it uh, that aside I give them all kinds of interesting tips and techniques on how to work with clients so that that person comes in and they're like, whoa, that was amazing. And maybe you didn't even use more than, you know, two fingers and a tiny paddle or something, you know, Right. but you you have to be able to give them the impression that they're going where they want to go because otherwise they're not going to be satisfied in getting their, their fantasies met. But if you go there, you could hurt them. Or you could it, you could screw with them psychologically in a way that, that's not... I like to distinguish between hurt and harm in SM. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's... I've heard that before. That's such a great phrase. And I think it gives... Anyone who anyone who hears that and have got a good head on their shoulders can put two and two, two, and two together pretty quickly there. For these first-time situations, do you do you go back to a blindfold? Is that, is that kind of how you, does, does a blindfold help a lot and not just, you know, just someone who is first time out and they think, Oh, I want, I want, I want the biggest deal that you got. And that way, you know, you just have the a blindfold. So they have no idea. They have no frame of reference. And then, uh, or, or how do you usually tackle that?
1: It's, um, <clears throat> it really depends on the person. Uh, once again, I really like, I, 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 I take uh, great pride in my uh, intense desire to read people really quickly because in this business, if you can't help someone um, uh, trust you implicitly with their deepest, darkest secrets and then their physical bodies included in a very short period of time, then you're not really doing your job. Um, so I try to assess pretty quickly if they're a very visual person or not. Um, some people who are a little bit more type a, and I recognize these people pretty well because I tend to to be one of them myself. Um, lots going on in their minds, lots, lots happening, lots of uh, projects, what have you. Um, oftentimes tend to, to really be able to go deep with that blindfold as long as, uh, the verbal and the sensu- the sen- sensory, you know, the sort of physical sensory uh, absorbs well in their system the way that, you know, like uh, processes, you know, pretty deeply right. in their system. Because sometimes with some people you take the visual away and it, it's the exact opposite effect. It, it, it just cathunk you know they they they're, they can't go there anymore because they're not being stimulated visually
0: maybe that's all, I mean that's also uh, I've heard maybe you can confirm this if someone spends a lot of their uh investigation shall we say before they actually do it in per, in person if they spend a lot of time just on, on porn and that's it then they then they are tend to be more dependent on the visual do you find that to be true or
1: huh Um, that's a good question. You know, um, uh, I don't know the answer to that. I know more the adage that says men are visual creatures. They're much more visual than women. And I don't know, I haven't, you know, in all my research and all my, my work that hasn't been a, a primary study for me because when it comes to gender politics, I kind of go, Yeah, I've played with and partnered with a variety of genders over the years, and I've noted a couple little things here and there, but I haven't really noted any extreme differences. Um, Men do tend to be a little bit more visual, I think. Um, They certainly seem to be the the largest consumers of, of porn. Um, but I think we need to factor in a number of other reasons why that would be before we just automatically assume that they're more visually stimulated.
0: Yeah. uh, The prevalence of porn now, and I know you're, would you consider yourself a porn enthusiast or supporter? I'm definitely
1: a porn advocate and, um, Uh, enthusiastic about fun and interesting porn. I used to review gay male porn for the Bijou Theater in Chicago. uh, And I've made a lot of my own uh, SM porn, if you will, over the years, uh, which can be found on my Clips for Sale site. Mm. Um, (laughs) um, uh, And I think that, you know, watching porn with a partner can be really hot. Watching it on your own just when you're in the mood um, but I do think that there's the unfortunate um the unfortunate sort of uh symptom, if you will, uh, of folks who and primarily men, I think, in, in this larger context, but once again, I'm not saying that it's because of their gender, I'm saying it's because of a number of different things, um consume so much that they can't really hardly function without it. And and, and they expect their partners to be Certain ways, look certain ways, uh, you know, have their have their their genitalia bleached and cut and re-sewn and everything perfectly intact, uh, because visually that's what they've been stimulated by.
0: Yeah. How how does one review gay porn?
1: (laughs) How does one not?
0: (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. When you when you reviewed porn and you you could did you look at it mostly from a technical aspect? Did you look at it mostly from a because uh, it's just like when I when I read or when I when I read reviews of non porn, uh, I I tend to see like wow this person is reading a lot more into the movie than I did. I'm just watching the movie. I'm not analyzing it or anything like that. Now, do you how how did you do that? Did you say Wow, you know that camera shot, that camera angle was way too much time in, in that position. Sure. Or did you look at it as someone who, uh, from the uh, the person wanking off to it perspective, or both?
1: I don't know. I tried to keep in mind. I mean, I I am who I am, so I come from my own perspective, as any reviewer would do. Um, and then trying to keep in mind that my you know audience may be kind of a gay male population enjoying their porn. But everything, there's also, I mean, I, I got a wide spectrum of things they would give me. Um, so it was always interesting. It was interesting to see the changes from like the 70s into the 80s. Um, like like what? Uh, hair and tans started becoming prevalent in the 80s. And, and then, uh, you know, the hair was very popular in the 70s. Um, and then it started moving from like, hair to hair with tans to then hairless and tanned in sort of the disco era
0: other than the aesthetic was there anything any like plot changes or was it all
1: oh sure technology changed things so plots change i mean a lot of the plots come on they are you know they're all going to have a similar premise you just have to get one person and you know get then the other one in the room uh, the pizza boy the delivery boy one of my favorite ones was these, just these two farm hands mucking around in the barn and you could tell that they were you know it was just a porn shoot but it was just so cute there was something very naive and thematic and and just lovely um thematic porn can has gone out the went out the windows in the 90s um uh, it seems like, uh, people starting, you know, getting annoyed. I mean, the seventies, the Mitchell brothers, they were doing, you know, a lot more heavy plot stuff. Um, uh, Deep Throat was one of the first, you know, kind of intensely plot oriented porns, um, but, but also the Bijou, they were really sweet cause they knew I was into SM and, and, and things like that. So they would, they would come across things like, um, I don't know if you know who Ron Athe is, but he's a wonderful performance artist in Los Angeles, uh, who did some amazing work in the, um, early aughts. I think it was, uh, late nineties, maybe, um, on HIV and AIDS and, uh, uh, and the, you know one of his first big performances around that was that that he was diagnosed with with HIV, and um, he he would he cut himself on stage so people thought you know oh this is scary cutting, and 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 then put him put the blood on the paper towels and then put the paper t- the bloody paper towels on clothesline and run it over the audience as he was announcing to them that he had <laughs> HIV. Or people would rush out of the, you know, the, 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 uh, the theater,
0: the right. performance That's, space. That sounds pretty, I mean, how did, how did he do that more than once?
1: Well, you know, I, I guess the crying game lasted for a while before people caught on.
0: <laughs> right, right. But, but you would think, uh, was it not really his blood or?
1: No, it was really his blood.
0: But that's uh, like—I mean, any any blood with AIDS or without is hazardous material. You know, I mean,
1: Uh, yeah. Well, he's a performance artist. Um, I don't think he did that show for you know very often. Probably, I don't know. I would have to look up the data on that, but probably did it. You know, maybe a dozen times max would be my guess.
0: So, uh, so was he heralded for this, or
1: Um, well, certainly. I mean, it's a question of, of, you know, he raises really good questions around alarmist attitudes around HIV and AIDS, especially in that time period. I think people are a little bit more, uh, comfortable, if you will, around, uh, acknowledging its existence and talking about it even to some extent. But at that time, uh, raising awareness was very important.
0: Sure, I understand. What I'm saying is if he had, if he went out and had unprotected sex with people and then afterwards said, oh, by the way, I'm HIV positive, people would say he's an asshole, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't know what the difference is other than one one is under the guise of art.
1: Um, because having unprotected sex is like a much surer way of contracting HIV than putting, you know a lightly bloody it's not it's not it's not contracted that
0: way so well no i mean i'm just saying you can still the, the likelihood is still i'm saying i'm saying without knowing any more information sounds like an asshole is all i'm saying without knowing anything else i'm just yeah, saying that sounds, sounds like, like an asshole. asshole move well there you even go if it, even if it you know does raise awareness but you know that that's just me i'm just crazy that way but yeah
1: well uh, you know so you all have the these... right to our opinions sure sure first amendment how... and all
0: how long did you review porn then and, and did, or did that, or do, you, or do you still do it?
1: No, 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 no. That was a long time ago.
0: And I mean, but it sounds like you still have the knack. Well, if someone.
1: Yeah. If I mean, I'm looking I'm, for
0: a porn reviewer. You could probably. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. It was a little side gig I did for a while. It's just fun to be able to say now.
0: That's that is, I mean, you should, you should put that on your, cause you have some very interesting, you know, like I said, job titles. And that would be. You know, former porn reviewer that that's that's a really that is like the ultimate uh, icebreaker at a cocktail party Say, saying you did that for a brief period of time. That's like got to be. I mean, that has got to be the ultimate. How can you you cannot not have a good conversation with someone who says that to you at a, at a cocktail party? Yeah. Very jealous is what I'm saying.
1: Oh, well, I tell you what you can. I'll get you uh, access to some of my uh, porn and you can review it and then you can have that title.
0: Well, I could say. I, actually, I'd probably get away with just saying I know someone who.
1: You know. <laughs> I suppose it depends on what kind of circles you run in. Right.
0: You, uh, uh, you have some very, very thought-provoking uh, blog posts. Uh, going through, going through uh, just some of your more recent ones, something that really. Uh, struck me was you had like the tips for masochists on how, on how to be a good masochist or what not to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this is not, I mean, I've heard this from multiple people. Th- some of these, these uh, tips you gave, um, I've heard this from a lot of people. And yet at the same time, I've found, uh, well, like, let's take the first one you mentioned being stoic. Um and this this seems to be a locale thing. I was talking to someone I think it was at the mast in d c where they said like in some parts of the some parts of the country or some even parts of the world it is uh you know the culture their local culture is that you should be still like it, like sure. a, a, a caning in london you you shouldn 't you have to be very again maybe it 's changed, but you have to be very very." Uh, business-like <laughs> in your caning or something, and the whole point is not to flinch. The whole point is not—you know—that's the—that's the sign of a good masochist is not flinching.
1: Well, not yeah, I mean, the in. theory around that is, um, let's just assume it's a—it's a mistress, because that's generally the rule of thumb around these things. But you're—you're um, you're taking it for the mistress, therefore you're taking it uh, humbly. You're—you're—you're—you're you're, 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 you're absorbing the the input, um, for her pleasure. And this is sort of a a classic libertine. I didn't really talk about that aspect too much in that article because it was, it's just a small piece, but it got, it got some hellacious comments from people on fat life, including somebody who, uh, wanted to call me out on using Stoic as a philosophical term, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, but I just want to say, I don't believe in good or bad masochists. I just, I'm kind of saying, uh, what I enjoy in a mask. So I, you know, I, I might go right. back and revise that article to be clearer about that. I thought I was clearer about it until I got so many comments uh, uh, berating. But there lots and lots of, lots of people, like you said, who, who also felt like it was really important information that, that they valued. Um, but yeah, no, you're taking it for the mistress and, and just, and, and just, uh, absorbing that. And the classic libertine definition of, of that would be, you know, the Marquis de Sade himself, Sade, sadism, how right. we get the language, is you're supposed to derive pleasure from uh, from creating pain, right? Right. And um, if you're not, then you're not, you know, classically a sadist. And so fair enough, you know, I guess if, if we're going to get um, – <clears throat> hard-nosed on our de- definitions, then I'm not classically a sadist. I, my, my sadism is derived from uh, the pleasure of the masochist. So it's sort of a circular thing. It's energetically, it's I'm deriving pleasure from giving pain because you're deriving pleasure from receiving pain.
0: If I that think that kind sense. of makes you just human, a, a good human, I <laughs> think, doesn't it? I mean, um, the, uh, who was it? Reciprocal energy loop is what a friend of mine called it. Troy Orleans calls it.
1: Oh, yeah, I knew Troy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that that's sort of that, that, that phrase she had. It really, really uh, fits in so many areas. And I think that's kind of what you got from, I mean, we can go through some of the other items in here, but... Well
1: I, You know, had I known that Troy said that, I would have totally quoted her and and used the reciprocal energy loop because I used total power exchange and I got my hand slapped for that as well. And I was just like,
0: whatever, people. It's in the, but that, that's the, one of the worst things about the internet, especially on uh, when it comes to uh, fat life. Yeah, is is you'll have people who uh, I don't who knows why their whole it seems like their whole being is based on jumping on other people's shit when they just give their opinion, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just like, how do you live your life that way? But I mean, so do you mind if we go through some of the other items?
1: No, I don't mind. But it is fascinating. I agree with you when uh, it's uh, sometimes it feels like, so the anonymity of sitting at your computer gives you the right to be a jackass to a stranger congratulations.
0: And some of these people in, in, in their defense would be a jackass in person too.
1: I should hope so. <laughs> but, but, but most of them will, uh, you know, I remember one, and once again, if you find the, the, the piece on FetLife, if anyone out there finds the piece on Fet Life, they'll see like, you know, there's like a hundred positive, wonderful things. But you know, there's like the five or seven or whatever, but then one person just wrote complete drivel. I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you took the ter- time to read it, and then write the comment—complete drivel. But you're not going to say why. You're not going—you know—it's like uh, okay, fine, thanks, thanks for that.
0: I, I, I'm going to st- make a, uh, create a profile on Life, and the whole persona of the person is going to be the person who gets offended by other people's writings, but offended by the parts that you wouldn't expect. You're <laughs> like, I'm offended. You mentioned tennis shoes in this. Fetish article. I'm purely, you know, boot, you know, boots all the way. Anyone who's into tennis shoes is drivel. you know.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, but some of the other things you mentioned about uh, things to avoid, or or uh, uh, if you're starting out as a masochist or just playing, so these are your your personal pet peeves or your personal things that uh, that you point out. Re- uh, revisiting traumatic history, um, and th- that's sort of a, and people I, again, people should read the whole thing, but that's sort of a a key of like, if, if the person didn't let you know ahead of time that certain things are triggers, uh, that is kind of on, on them for not pointing it out. Right.
1: Yeah. Once again, that's a, <clears throat> that's a harder, uh, piece to, uh, that, that that's a piece in and of itself. Um, so to clarify, what I wasn't saying is, um, revisiting trauma is bad. What I'm saying is sometimes people utilize, uh, SM or consensual SM activities, or even sometimes non-consensual provoking the top to do things to them, um, in order to sort of, uh, continue the re the, the traumatization. So re re traumatize and re traumatize, re traumatize. Um, I, I do feel as though BDSM, is a wonderful tool to facilitate healing around uh, sexual trauma and, and or physical abuse. Um, but it has to be done with intent and care. So I have a class called, The Rape is Swifter Than the Cry, Fucking, or sorry, The, the Fuck is Swifter Than the Cry, Raping with Intent and Care. And that's what the entire class is about, is a lot of people have rape fantasies, for example, and um, uh, and once again, not right or wrong, it's just I have noted the people who come in to play uh, with SM who were abused and aren't intentionally working through their issues, but they're just repeating, repeating, repeating so that they can remain in the state of, of, uh, of, of trauma and victimhood, um, it, it leaves them more powerless. And, and once again, I'm not a good libertine for this, you know, because if I'm mm. the all-powerful domina and I just want to beat the shit out of anybody and you're there and, you know, you want to get beaten the shit beaten out of you because uh, that's how you live your life, you want to be the little worm on the floor, what have you then then you have that dynamic. And I'm not saying that that dynamic is wrong. But for me personally, and, I, and I'll out myself uh, here as I do in my class, I am a, an abuse survivor. So um, for me, it's really important to, to work on the healing, to facilitate healing and growth and, um, and more empowerment than to perpetuate disempowerment.
0: And I've heard a lot of nightmare stories from uh, both male and female T.O.P.S., who have said they've been in this situation. The person didn't tell them that this was kind of, you know, that was, this was happening. And then, you know, the scene just turns ugly and it just, it becomes a bad, a bad vibe for everybody. Right. And this could, it could have been avoided by simply the bottom, the submissive, the slave, whatever you want to say, uh, simply informing the top that, Hey, look, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but you should also know that um, I have experienced this in a negative way because this person either, will w- that way the, the top will have the choice as to whether or not they want to continue, but also might be able to make, might know just the way to make that scene enjoyable or make it, make it something that, you know, you can work towards healing, right? Um, but so, so often it happens where the person doesn't tell the other person and then, the top's like Jesus holy crap this was supposed to start you know this was just a spanking and it turned into you know right now you know now this is happening you know well, um
1: you know and and people don't always remember um I've done a lot of work with uh, PTSD post traumatic stress disorder there's another acronym for you mm-hmm. um and, uh, one of the, the, uh, work that I do that I'm trying to do this kind of interesting work right now between BDSM and sexual healing. And so it's kind of a larger picture thing, but it's called TRE, Trauma Release Exercises. And it's been used quite a bit, uh, with, uh, victims of war and, 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 and veterans who've, who've, uh, who've been, uh, out to, to war and, and been very, very successful because a lot of times people are fairly nonverbal around abuse and trauma. And there's some really interesting stories where, where you can have a room full of people and say, okay, so who in here has been traumatized or or who in here has suffered any trauma? And and the, the reality is, is most of us have endured some kind of trauma at some point in our lives. Yeah. Some kind, right? There's soft mm-hmm. trauma and there's hard trauma. And I'm not saying, oh, all poor, all of us, we're all traumatized. What I'm saying is, some people can, and most people, like, I, I don't even know. I, I don't want to test it on you right now, but I know of a story of a woman who said, oh, no, I've not been traumatized. And the conversation continues, a couple more questions, and eventually she says, oh, wait, I, <laughs> I drove over a train track and got hit by a train and was pinned to the wheel of my car, and they had to cut me out, and it took, you know, two years of rehabilitation. But it took her, you know, several questions and, 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 it wasn't that she forgot. It was just, it just didn't dawn on her that, Oh, that was a traumatic event.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I do want to, you know, put a shout out to those people who may not remember or may not really recognize it until they're in that moment. And that's when I say to tops are two things you can do. uh, Well, more than two things, but one of the things is, you know, if you're negotiating with somebody early on and that's something you're concerned about, uh, ask them, have you had any, uh, sexual abuse in their past or any physical abuse in your past. Um, and how might that, you know, affect you right now? Might that be a trigger for you? That's And if you don't remember to ask, then the very least in my humble opinion is just be really nice. Even if they freak (laughs) out and they start (laughs) screaming and crying and calling you every name in the book and that they're going to like, you know, press charges or whatever, just stay nice.
0: Yeah. Um, some of the other uh, things you're lacking in understanding of the f- uh, various types of pain or extreme sensation, as you say. Uh, again, this maybe comes back to, you know, you're playing with someone the first time and, and they don't, they can't identify as stingy versus thuddy. Is that kind of what you're getting at? And
1: Oh, it, it's across the board. I, I think mostly it's it's sort of like, um, oh, well, I'm not a masochist because uh, I don't like being whipped and i'm a fetishist you know i i i prefer shoes and 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 feet feet and shoes uh high heels for example and then i say to that person well is it not painful if i disallow you my feet and or my shoes so it's a, it's a, for me it's a philosophical question of what is yeah. pain you right. know what yeah. most people are trying to say is i don't like corporal um and, and But it's all relative, too. You know, I can have a person come in and say, oh, um, I have a really high pain th- threshold. That's a, you know, very common one. And, you know, I don't want any warm-up at all. And again, it just, you know, once again, your education, the experience teaches you <laughs> that uh, some people see things on videos or they have these fantasies or whatever the case may be, but it's a pretty rare person who really wants a good and solid caning Whilst being stoic, without any warm up. Right. I mean, it's very rare. Fifteen years, and I know of one person personally. I've had probably you know three or four pass through my life, but one person personally uh, with regularity, so I can say, in all actuality, this is a masochist. And when I say masochist, I say when I whack his ass with a cane without any warm up, his dick gets hard like that.
0: So do you think this is, because this is a very common thing, people, I don't know if it's bragging, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, Are they saying that because they want to more entice you? Or is it uh, some sort of, they think that this is a, uh, this is a, something to be proud of? I mean, what is, what does that come from? Is it just a, is just a...
1: I'm sure it comes from many, many different sources. And I really don't want to dismiss. I want to be very uh, clear that when I said that about his dick getting hard, I want to also be clear that I know, (laughs) I'd be stupid not to know that uh, dicks can be very limp and the person, the man with the dick be very, very, very turned on. Sure, um, sure. I'm talking about, um, uh, more of a, once again, an energy that's happening, yeah. uh, with that person. And so I think that when people, I mean, you know, we're also, a lot of the questions you're asking me, it's kind of interesting for me because I'm having to reach to the recesses of my brain <laughs> because, um, I don't work with a lot of people like that anymore. Not to say that I'm above that or anything, but just experientially when you've been working with certain types of clientele over the years, they, 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 shuffle shift, they, they shift. Um, and I've never been known as a, as a, uh, one, I wouldn't call myself, I wouldn't self-proclaim as a, as a corporal specialist, Mm -hmm. although, you know, it's something I enjoy. It's an activity I enjoy very much, but I don't live to just beat people. I really love bondage and I love real, um, sort of methodical, intricate, uh, forms of play like electricity and, and dilation and sounding and catheterization and, uh, yeah, lots of different kinds of bondage. Did I mention bondage? <laughs> so, so you know, I mean, I, as much as I enjoy all of these various activities, um, over the years, my clientele generally has not been, It's it's been more limited in the heavy corporal department because that's not my area of expertise. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, There is uh, more in, in that article. I, I'll, I'll have a link to it so that people can go back to it, but I know we have limited time and I'm, I'm curious to ask you a couple more questions. Um, uh, have you noticed um, different kinds of kinks or different kinds of fetishes sort of coming, you know, changing in popularity, like uh, all of a sudden, you know, X, Y, and Z is very, it, you know, very popular right now. It's very in and getting a lot of questions, people asking for for why or something like that. I, I've, I've heard some people who've been in the business for a while who can say, look, the 80s were big for this and the 90s were big for this. Have you noticed something similar or no? Um,
1: well, I was just saying that with porn. Um, I mean, certainly uh, rubber has become a lot more popular in the United States uh, than uh, it was even 10 years ago. Um, uh, leather is not as popular, even though that could be argued in certain circles. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the classic stereotype is sort of the whipping, the flogging. So you're always going to see this, especially with new people. They're like, I think I want to be flogged because they don't know what else to to look for. Yeah. Um, But uh, I think I don't know about anything. I'm not like nothing is, I've, I've worked, I've done so many things. <laughs> once again, <laughs> I'm stretching the recesses of my memory banks here sure. and trying to see if there's any particular patterns that I've noted. I think once again, because I'm not getting a variety of different type of clientele as much, I, what I get to see are people who are interested in extreme bondage, feminization, long term, uh, tease and denial, chastity training, Um, you know, with, with all the, the various, uh, things that you would add to that, which would be some corporal, some Eastem, some needles, some, you know, the, these are, to me, those are skills, but it's the, the sort of larger mindset of the mind fuck and, and controlling. I really like controlling the person entirely, but not as a doormat. They're not a doormat. They're, they're, they're giving them their power over to me
0: along the same lines, I'm curious if you have noticed uh, the attitudes of uh, just society in general changing. uh,
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. But I did just think of something. Um, So I have to say that fully fashioned stockings, um, otherwise known as, you know, sometimes RHTs, but nylons, classic nylon stockings, Mm -hmm. that'd be worn with garter belts. I mean, they never go out of style, so to speak, but they certainly are more, uh, much more prevalent uh, with the generation that grew up with them. And there's an interesting influx of, uh, of, 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 of people who now have uh, pantyhose fetish. And, and it's important to distinguish the stalking fetishist is very different from the pantyhose fetishist, meaning not that their personalities are different, but their fetish is very different. And sometimes people collapse those and they don't realize that. They'll say, oh, I have a pantyhose fetish. And and so I always like to make sure what we're talking about, um, if we're talking about um, actual pantyhose or actual stockings. And when we are talking about pantyhose, they're most likely to be um, your classic kind of suntan, legs in the egg, sometimes shimmery. If they can get the shimmery effect, (laughs) definitely... Uh, a plus a bonus. Um, and I think that that's, you know, because of the eighties. So, so some of these uh, people who are younger, who might've been born in the eighties and grew up looking up skirts as toddlers and not seeing the, the stockings and garters as they did in the the fifties, sixties, um, now have a thing for, for pantyhose. There you go.
0: I had someone and i don 't know i don't know if I subscribe to this theory as well, but um, someone said that the internet has allowed people to be more specific about their fetishes that in the past, like if you had a shoe fetishist they they 'd be sort of a, more of a certain style or sure they 'd have their their preferences but um, because people can find pictures or 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 different user groups of people who are into a very specific kink, people have been able to really focus in on narrow down exactly you know uh, you know their kink used to be would be just you know tennis shoes but now it's specifically this brand or this color and or that uh, that the, the internet has allowed people to be very specific about what they are into hmm. Hmm. have you noticed that too or, or um, did
1: you- it's a, it's an interesting observation that i suppose i could theorize on a little bit but um it, it's been my experience that, um, huh. <laughs> it, it's a tough call. It's, it's just a really tough call because I mean, for me, the fetishist, uh, so we're going to go back to like a Freudian sense of what is a fetishist, yeah. the one who really needs that object, whatever that object is really needs that object. And it, it, it can be very, very, very specific, uh, because they are a fetishist. So to me, it's sort of a chicken or an egg. Um, is the, I would ask more. So is the internet feeding the fetishist, um, or giving more ideas to the non-fetishist? Because a lot of people now will use the term fetish to just mean whatever turns them on.
0: Yeah.
1: And, And that's just you know, not the classic use of the term. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Once again, just saying that, you know, Oh, so you once thought that, um, six inch heels with no platform turned you on, but, or, you know, let's start with probably more, it makes more sense to four inch heels with platforms turned you on. And now you're, you're a great advocate of six inch heels with no uh, platform. No. Um, but I wouldn't, I, you know, those two distinctions right there, night and day, those two people, very seriously different people. And I I don't think that that's because of the internet, but I could be wrong.
0: No, yeah, I, I, I've heard this said in the past. Again, no no clue if that's that's true or not. Since I don't I don't see clients myself, of course. But uh, <laughs> well, how do we know? <laughs> that's true. That's right. I could be totally on. Um, well, I, I know I know you've you've got to go soon, but. Um, I, I really hope you're willing to come back again because we didn't even scratch the surface of your personal story. We only talked a little bit about it and I think there's so much there that I'd love to talk to you about. And um if someone wants to find you, I mean obviously you you've got you've got your own websites that people can check you out on, but um but is are there any upcoming uh education classes or education uh locations people can find you or should they just go to your website and
1: Actually, you're reminding me I need to update my website on my (laughs) – thanks for the reminder there, Well, they can
0: find you on Twitter as well for more updated information.
1: Yeah. I I don't have anything in July, but in August I have um, a class at the Citadel, San Francisco Citadel, which is our local sort of SM uh, dungeon space for the public. Um, That's in first week of August. Oh, gosh. Wow, there's that thing about me – Promoting myself um it's yeah, I think it's medical play. the doctor is in
0: yeah I was going to ask you about that too. that sounds really, really intense because it sounds the the degree of medical play, just reading the description was it's pretty varied
1: yeah i you know i I was just talking to a colleague of mine about that earlier, and I was saying, I really love that class, but man, do I have to bring a lot of gear because um, I never know what I'm going to get because I like to play doctor and go in and say, you know, okay, I'm speaking to my colleagues and my my friends and potential patients here about, you know, the medical, my medical practices, sharing this information. And so I, I oftentimes will take a patient from the audience, somebody I've never even met, and you never know what you're going to get and what you're going to end up doing. Um,
0: it's more than just rubber gloves. Let's put it that way. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs>
1: I We won't mention my glove fetish then, will we?
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. And I I hope you're willing to come back and, and do it again when we have more time and we can talk about your personal history. And and there's so much more that we have yet to cover. But, uh, you know, always leave them wanting more. So. Of
1: course, of course. Can I just uh, plug a little bit more, though? Just, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, because the um, uh, SM Arts, uh, the Academy of SM Arts, uh, uh Pro, the uh, pro course is coming up mid August. Actually, that course is full, but I just want to kind of let people know that that's out there and it's going to be a wonderful thing. And yeah, and I'm working on my own coursework to, to, to satisfy the needs of our friends and colleagues out there.
0: Well, you also you also do one on one and and Absolutely. with clients as well. So
1: oh, thank um, you, Axe. You can do my own. You can do my marketing for me. What else do I there,
0: do? There we go. There's there's, there's this, a, a gazillion things. You've got more than one website, so that in and of itself is is plenty of
1: yeah. And no wonder I up. can't keep up with them.
0: right? <laughs>
1: So well, thank you so much for having me too. It was great fun. Thank you for doing this. And did you did you mention to, me to the listeners about our, are you going to mention that? Well, this is the-
0: this is actually our second interview. Yeah. Which uh, it I got I got lucky enough to have two interviews for the price of one because we had a, we had technical difficulties with the first one, uh, but you were willing to come back for a second and the
1: technical difficulties was the Dom's fucked up, uh, but. Uh, uh, that, that's a joke against me. We can all laugh. <laughs> no, I, it's um, a,
0: a, the the listeners, it's to their benefit. So. But, but
1: I want them to, you know, I mean, I think a good, I think, you know, once again, good, bad, whatever. But I think a, a really ethical dumb, let's say, always admits to when they're wrong. Um, <laughs> but well, yes, I, I screwed up the, the techno. And it was such a pity because we had, <clears throat> I just want to tell your listeners what an amazing conversation we had.
0: You ended up recreating the magic a second time.
1: Oh, that's sweet. I appreciate
0: it. And then, and and I know that there are plenty of things we talked about in that first interview that we can come back for when you come back uh, another time.
1: Okay, well, there's still plenty more. As long as you've noted them, you know, as long as you've noted them, as creative types, in and out the airs. (laughs) off to the next thing.
0: Thank you so much for doing this, Eve.
1: Thank you, X. Take care.
0: once again thank you eve and thank you for listening to another episode again you can now donate via bitcoin go to Massacast. i'm yeah i'm just we're desperate for donations is basically what i'm saying Massacast.com. we'll see you later bye bye